Hi guys, it's Abu Bakr, and thanks for tuning in to Thoughts at 30. If you're listening to this in the United States, I hope you know we are very close to the presidential election. So please, if you have the ability to do so, exercise your right and duty to vote. For any resources or information you might need, please head to vote.org. Today's episode is about something I've been meaning to speak on for a long time. It's about inequality of the sexes, issues within today's masculinity, and the results when men don't do anything to question or address it. One of the most frustrating things to me is when I see discussions on women's issues and there's no women present on the panels. This is why I made sure if I ever spoke on a topic that had to do with women or feminism, I would invite a woman to the discussion. So joining me on the podcast is my friend Bushra. Bushra is a resident physician at a major Chicago hospital and is also an alumni of the famous all-women's Smith College. Many people believe that Smith is the birthplace of the modern feminism movement, and a lot of notable feminists such as Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan and, of course, Pakistan's own Sharmeen Obachanoy are former students. So hi, Bushra, and thanks for being the first ever guest on the podcast. I think you're probably the smartest feminist I know. Would you say that Smith had a role to play in that? Hi, Bakar. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Smith definitely had a role on how I continue to think about feminism and my own inherited biases on gender inequality. One of the things that I valued the most and continue to miss while doing graduate medical education has been the emphasis on female ideas on education, research, and leadership without the traditional male gaze. One way in which I see this male gaze play out in my everyday life is recognizing that sometimes I am treated differently to my male colleagues in medicine with the same education. People tend to think that the man in the room is the doctor. On the flip side, I think having gone to an all-women's college has allowed me to advocate for things for my female patients that have been traditionally ignored within the framework of medicine. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm really glad you brought up the male gaze. For listeners who might not be familiar with the term, the male gaze is a term referring to the act of depicting women and the world in visual arts and real life and literature from a heterosexual masculine perspective, usually undermining or or objectifying the women in question. I've been guilty of this too. I keep catching myself routinely assuming certain professions as masculine. The other day, my friend was telling me about her favorite professor in grad school, and I asked her, what his teaching style was. She quickly corrected me and said her teaching style was very elaborate and unique. What I have also realized over time is that I'm very quick to criticize media, issues, or personalities that are important to women without realizing the impact my comments could make. There was a massively debated Gillette ad that came out in January 2019 that I heavily criticized because I felt a company that objectified and used women and charged them more money for the same products as men, was riding on the Me Too movement for financial gain. I didn't realize, however, that a lot of women felt that the content of the ad was refreshing and important to them, and my comments were received as very disheartening. What do you think, Bushra? Should men have to be careful to balance criticism on things like this? I think the answer will depend on the person you are talking to. Um, I think everyone is entitled to free speech, obviously. I do agree with you that the Gillette ad was profiting off a movement, but I think when there is a power dynamic of any sort, 
We must all do our part to step back and be aware of the space we are occupying and taking away from the minority group. One of the things that I have found interesting through talking to friends and family is that when one does express the view that I just talked about, especially in the context of feminism, is the backlash from men. Whether it be men saying feminazi, bra-burning feminist, man-hating feminist, words that tend to imply that women are far too angry to be taken seriously. Men tend to not be engaged in the conversation from that point and turn away from it. I think this behavior may be rooted in some deep insecurity or the patriarchy that instead of instead of labeling people, maybe we should be asking the question, hey, how can I do better? I think trying to be better on a personal level is so important, even for those of us who feel like we are well-meaning or on the quote's right side. I think this is the only way we can ever make proper progress in removing or working against toxic masculinity by first reflecting as men on some of our own actions and statements and wondering if we could have been better. I think every small thing adds up to the bigger issue. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. However, I do think that we as a society should be holding men to a higher standard. I often find that we credit men with doing the bare minimum. I often hear things like, oh, he identifies as a feminist, he must be the best. Oh, he cooks, he must be God's gift to earth. He doesn't harass women, great. I feel that we hold men to a very low bar in this day and age. As far as the influence of toxic masculinity on the world, most of us know that the numbers are staggering. In South Asia, one could argue that rape is a pandemic. A study done in MIT showed that 17% of female students had been assaulted while enrolled and 90% of campus sexual assaults are committed by someone the survivor knows. Men are as disadvantaged from toxic masculinity as well, as they may not be able to express their emotions and are often asked to toughen up. We must be working to, towards dismantling the patriarchy in every walk of our lives. In my social circle, at least, I know that the women in my life regularly have conversations about what this even means in the day-to-day -day interactions. I think, though, maybe it is time we recognize, because men are the disciples of toxic masculinity, and obviously some women too, but that's a conversation for another time, it means that they are more often than not the perpetrators of violence against women and men. Maybe it's time to ask the bigger question. How do we get men to reconcile with this? And how do we figure out a way for boys to not look up towards a culture of violence? Also, how do we encourage men to do this work by themselves without having women to teach them this? I really think boys will be boys is a big problem. It's a logic that excuses or trivializes male behavior at all stages of development. I think it serves as a strong signal to society separating expectations of women from expectations of men. It is a phrase that in many ways perhaps captures the root of gender inequality. Exactly how you mentioned, as a kid I was always told to toughen up instead of being vulnerable by teachers and other friends my age. Everywhere I looked, it seemed that boys weren't supposed to cry, show emotion, or be sensitive. And on the flip side, if I or other boys did or said something immature, childish, or aggressive... Instead of being asked about it or held accountable, it was just brushed off as boys will be boys. So I think it needs to start off early. Parents and teachers 
especially in preschool, maybe need to make sure that expectations of girls and boys aren't based on typical gender roles. It should be okay for both boys and girls to cry. It should be wrong for both boys and girls to get into fights. Boys and girls should both be allowed to play with trucks or dolls. Sure. I think that could be one place that we target. And I think that is already being done in a lot of households and schools. But I think what we need to examine is how we unlearn these habits as adults. We have so much to unlearn, whether it be women holding up the patriarchy and reinforcing gender roles, or men who've been taught to laugh at other men being vulnerable or open. I think the small ways in which we could do this is question everything, whether that be gender roles that are brought up in the context of a new relationship or continuing to self-examine ways in which you hold the patriarchy accountable. I think this is closely related to how I feel about the word feminist. I, as you know, am a self-proclaimed feminist and a proud one at that. Feminism to me has always meant the advocacy of women's rights in the context of the equality of the sexes. However, I struggle with it because people can be quick to proclaim that they are feminists without thinking of what, they, what that actually means on a day-to-day basis. The questions are, are you dismantling systems that continue to oppress other people? And is your feminism inclusive of all women and all genders? I do not claim to be perfect at this, but I think recognizing that we are all unlearning things we have been taught in the past or have made mistakes It is one way to help us move past and hopefully achieve true gender equality. I think one of the most important points you made there is that we should never be satisfied. Gender inequality is one of the most widespread issues all over the world. And to my listeners, trust me, if someone like Bushra, who I feel embodies feminism, still catches herself and tries to be better, then none of us really have an excuse to say we are doing enough. Today, the Pakistani-American actor... Kumail Nanjiani tweeted, My dad always gave me physical and emotional affection. He still can't say he's proud of me without tearing up. I had a male role model who showed me it was natural to show affection, emotion, love. The world would be better if men were comfortable expressing their inner lives. I don't think I can say it any better. Gender equality can only be achieved with the help of men. Suspending egos and accepting we can do better, no matter how much we feel like we already do, is the most important step. And I say this completely accepting that I may be the most behind in doing this than anybody else. Any final thoughts, Bushra? I think you said it well, Bakker. I hope that as we move forward with the different movements that exist in the world today, I hope we remember to make a fight as intersectional and as inclusive as possible. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. My pleasure. And you make another important point there about intersectionality. It's vital to remember that sometimes because of various social categorizations, a lot of women have to deal with overlapping systems of of discrimination. It's not just their gender. It could be their race. It could be their religion. I'm going to share a quote from Gloria Steinem's book that Bushra recommended, of course, called The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. She said, There are black doctors and doctors, and women novelists and novelists. Any less powerful group gets the adjective, while the powerful group takes the noun. The less powerful group usually knows the more powerful one much better than vice versa. 
people of color have to understand white people in order to survive. Women have had to know men. Only the powerful group can afford to regard the less powerful one as a mystery. I really hope one day we can see a world where statements like this aren't so damningly true. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you next week.